One of the most difficult parts of homeschooling is that we are our own boss, in quotes. There's no one coming each day and telling us what has to be done, what we shouldn't do, what we should do. There's no one making sure that we are doing what we are, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. Obviously, this differs from area to area with rules and regulations, but in general, we're kind of on our own. This is very freeing, but it also can be a major challenge. On top of this, when life gets messy or chaotic or tragic, or it feels like our life has been completely shattered, which does happen at some point or another, trying to homeschool can be really, really challenging because we kind of have to decide what we're going to do if we're going to stop doing homeschooling, if we're going to keep going. We have this pressure to keep going. Um, It's just a very chaotic thing when life gets chaotic. Our family had a year like this last school year, and I thought it would be helpful to share some practical tips for homeschooling during a crisis that were very helpful to me. Glue. It's messy, it's sticky, it gets everywhere, but it also can be really useful. For us working homeschool moms, when life gets chaotic or overwhelming, we don't need work life balance because is that even truly possible? We need work life glue. We need routines, tips, encouragement, and advice from fellow moms who are also living a working and homeschooling lifestyle to help us glue the pieces all together. I'm Sarah, a homeschooling mom to three little girls who is insanely passionate about helping other moms balance work and homeschool, and also encouraging moms on the fence that it truly is possible to do both. The Work Life Glue podcast is for busy working homeschool moms to have a place to chat about this crazy, beautiful lifestyle. It's also for moms who desire to homeschool but need an income and don't know what to do. I'm here for you. I share my own wisdom and ideas and also interview fellow working homeschool moms because we all have so much to learn from one another. We definitely don't have any time to waste, so come on in, get comfy, and let's get started. So just to kind of set the scene for what I went through last year, I'm sharing this because, first of all, I think some of you are probably listening to this because you're in the middle of a crisis. And when you can hear somebody's story of how they were living in a crisis, it can just kind of help you not feel so alone. And I just want to share the magnitude of what I went through Um even though it didn't happen directly to my immediate family with my kids and my husband, um, it definitely affected my homeschool. And so a little over a year ago, January of last year, I was sitting down with my three daughters. My husband was working late. It was around 6.30 p.m. And I wanted to show them little clips of the musical Wicked because I've loved that for so long and my girls, I thought, could really appreciate it. So we were watching some clips of Wicked on YouTube when I suddenly got a call from my mom and her face lit up by screen of my phone and I knew immediately something was wrong because we rarely call each other, especially at night um, because she knows I'm busy with kids. And so I immediately was like, something's wrong. And I answered it and she was very frantic saying something happened to my dad. He's being rushed to the hospital and that I need to come. So I get off the phone. I'm immediately crying. My oldest starts crying. We're running around the house. I don't even know what we're grabbing because I'm like, I don't even know what I need because I don't even know what's happening. And we're just running around the house grabbing things and getting them into the van. I'm like trying to voice text my friends so they can be praying as I'm driving to my mom's house to pick her up. And then we are driving to the hospital about 15 minutes away and literally 
all of us were just sobbing because we know it's bad. Um, We didn't know exactly what happened. We just knew he fell off a roof and he was unconscious and it was really bad. So we get to the ER. Um, We're basically told by a doctor that he's going to die in, I guess, their way to kind of dance around that, which was very confusing. And we just really had no idea what was happening. I don't think they really knew what was happening because it was just a very, really bad accident where he fell off a roof and he had just gotten to the hospital right when we did. I'll spare you every last detail, but my mom and I, my husband ended up picking up my daughters from the hospital. Um, I wasn't able to tell them what was going on at that point. And my mom and I stayed at the hospital, I think, until about 3 a.m. when we were able to see my dad. He was intubated. He was unconscious. He was hooked up. He was in the ICU. Um, And then we went home to sleep for about three hours and then came back every day for about five days um, Those that first week. So, It was a crazy time, and this led to four months of him being in the hospital, which four months now doesn't sound like a very long time, but when you're living in complete chaos and have no idea what's happening from day to day, and it's just a complete roller coaster ride, those four months feel like four years. And so my dad ended up, he had broken almost all of his ribs. He had had a severe traumatic brain injury. He was unconscious for a couple weeks, um, and then... You know, he was moved to a general care floor for a few months where he was hallucinating and he had to relearn how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, all of those things, like go to the bathroom. And amidst all of that, we were advocating for him to be fed, to be cleaned every day and just, you know, basic, basic human rights, I would say, um, weren't always there by some of the staff. And so... It was a very hard time. There were times when they were talking about um, having to make him go somewhere else across the country because there was nowhere for him in Minnesota, which was devastating. And we were trying to navigate this whole new world we knew nothing about while medical bills are mounting for my mom and her breadwinner is in a hospital bed and years away from retirement age. And it just... I can't even begin to tell you just how completely devastating, stressful, worrisome, traumatic it was for all of us. I'm the, I'm my dad's only child and I was the main one there for my mom and I still was homeschooling on top of it and being a wife and being a mom, but I was trying to go to the hospital about 15 to 20 hours a week. So I was running my business. I was also doing before and after school care every day. Um, And I was watching a friend's kids, I think once a week at that point all day. And so it was just so much on my plate on top of just trying to function, Um, which I'm sharing this because I think some of you listening, although I'm sure your story is so much different um, or the struggle you may go through one day will likely be very different than my story. I think the feeling of hopelessness, exasperation, exhaustion, worry, all of those things are very relatable human experience during a crisis. And unfortunately, we're all going to experience some crises like this at some point in our lives. And if we're homeschooling parents, it's likely going to happen at some point when we're homeschooling. I'm not saying that to like scare anybody and hopefully it won't be to this magnitude, but life happens and hard things happen. And sometimes these things happen while we are trying to juggle a lot of things. And so this was a very hard point in my life. It was one of the hardest 
years of my life last year. We really didn't know when my dad would come home. We thought he'd be in the hospital for at least a year. We didn't know what he would be like at the end of all this. But um, the good news is that he went home after four months. It was a very rocky few months when he first got home of being scared he was going to fall down the stairs and being scared he was going to leave the house um, because he was still very impulsive at that point. Um, But he has come so far and we're just giving all the glory to God because seriously, he's defied all odds. So I'm so grateful for that. But I do want to share what I learned through this that can apply to homeschooling. And this goes so far beyond homeschooling, but all of our life when we're homeschooling parents affects homeschooling. If you're a stressed out mom, that's going to affect your homeschooling. If you're dealing with a lot, it's going to affect your homeschooling. And so these tips are mainly just general life tips when you're going through a crisis, especially as a mom. But all of this will hopefully positively affect your homeschool if you do some of these tips. And obviously, take what you want from this, leave what you want from this. Um, But I just hope this can be helpful if and when you're going through a stressful time as a homeschooling mom. So, Some of these tips are kind of opposite of each other, and I'll explain that. But the first tip is to just take a break. If the stress is too much, if whatever you're dealing with either is too much schedule-wise for you or emotionally for you, it's okay. Or if it's too much for your family emotionally, maybe you're handling it okay, but your kids aren't. It is totally okay to take a break, and that's one of the beauties of homeschooling. If your kids are going to traditional school, they can't just take a break because their grandpa's in the hospital. They have to keep going to school. They might take a day or two off, but they have to continue with their schoolwork or they'll get behind. One of the beauties of homeschooling is that we can take a break and that's okay. You can make it up later. You can change your schedule around in the future, but just take a break while you need to. Um, I did that for that first week because I literally couldn't homeschool because I was in the hospital like all day, every day, except for the few hours to sleep. And then I was back to the hospital again with my mom. Um, And so we did take a break and I didn't stress about it. The next tip, though, if maybe you're at a place where you don't want to take a break, that's really stressful to you, maybe try just doing the bare minimum. So for most people, that would be like math and phonics or math and language arts because those are skills based and you don't want them to fall behind in that. But maybe you're going to take a break on everything else, history, science, um, read alouds or whatever. Or you could take a break on everything and just do what brings your family joy. Maybe you just need some joy in your life. And so you're only going to focus on those things that you love. Maybe you love doing science experiments. Maybe you love cooking with your kids. Maybe you love read-alouds and and doing narration and stuff like that. Do whatever feels the best for you, whatever bare minimum would be, whether it's bare minimum what you feel like you need so they don't regress in their skills, or bare minimum what you need to do so that you feel like at least you're doing something and it's bringing your family together, it's bringing you joy. Just do that. And whatever that looks like will be different for every person. But I do want to say that also it is okay to just continue on doing whatever feels best for you if that feels right for you. So this is actually what we did. We took a break for that first week because I couldn't homeschool and my kids wouldn't have been able to focus knowing my dad had this horrible accident. So we took that week and then after that, 
I uh, reassessed and decided to just continue homeschooling because I already had to be home during that time anyway because my husband was at work and I couldn't get to the hospital till the later afternoons anyway. And so I just decided to keep up with homeschooling for multiple reasons. First of all, then I didn't feel like we were getting behind and I didn't feel like, oh, how are we going to make this up, which is something I would struggle with if if taking a break. I think it's totally okay to take a break. However, for me, I just it would have added stress to take a break. Um, and I didn't absolutely need to at that time because I had the schedule where I had to be home during our normal homeschool hours anyway. Also, I just thought for my kids, having our normal schedule for the most part would be really helpful for them to cope with everything so it didn't feel like our whole life was it was up in the air. I just thought that would be helpful for my kids. And then also for me, it just really was a wonderful time to not be thinking about my dad for two hours a day. I was focused on homeschooling and I couldn't really think about both at the same time. And so it gave my mind a break from thinking about the horribleness that was my life at that time. And so not taking a break and actually just continuing on as normal was really helpful. It was nice, though, you know, when things kind of got more stressful, I could be a little bit more relaxed, like, we're not going to do that today. We're going to take this off our plate. Um, But for the most part, we just continued on. And that's okay, too. There will be people in your life who are probably going to say things like, you don't have to homeschool right now. You can take a break. Take whatever you need off your plate. But I'm here to also say, if it feels good to leave that on your plate, if that's better for you, that's okay too. Do what works best for you. You don't. There's no one right way to do this. And sometimes taking a break adds stress. So if that's the case and you can still fit it in, um, whether it's your full school load or maybe a modified version, that's okay too. Another thing that really helped for us is switching to family style curriculum. So last year, in the midst of all of this, I was also trying to plan the next school year because he was in the hospital from January through May. Um, And so that's, you know, when most moms are planning their next school year. So during that time, I had been thinking about doing individual uh, curriculum for my two older daughters, one who's now in third grade and one who's in kindergarten. So I was planning to do separate curriculums for them. But because of this whole experience, I decided to do family style because I didn't know how long my dad was going to be in the hospital. And even when he came home, I still wanted to be very involved and able to run over to help my mom at any time. And so I wanted something where it would take less time and we could do it all together. And so if you're able to, if you're able to switch right now, if you're not doing family style and just group your kids together and do it that way to take up less time. So you're still doing some homeschooling, but you're maybe it's not taking as much time. That can be really helpful. Um, Or you could just switch them all to one of your children's curriculum. Like if you have read alouds or Bible verses or Um, writing assignments, whatever it is, like just pick your middle child's curriculum and have everybody do that. It might might be less challenging for the olders and too challenging for the youngers, but you can kind of adapt it so you're doing less. So that can also help as well during this time of crisis. Another thing that is hard is to not only accept help, but ask for help. 
We were very lucky to have an amazing church family who supported us and brought us three meals a week for a couple months. That helped so much because I was gone most nights for supper. My husband was on his own, so he'd work all day, his 50 hours a week, and then he was basically a solo dad every night and most weekends because anytime I could go to the hospital, I did. And so that was so helpful that he was able to have some meals a few times a week. It helped with grocery shopping and everything to not have as much to plan for and all of that kind of stuff. It helps so much. But this is also a time when people reach out saying things like, let me know if you need anything. And I know if you're anything like me, most of the time you're like, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And then you don't ever take them up on it. Obviously, it would be so much more helpful if people would just like bring us a meal or they would just say it hey, I'm going to watch your kids this day or um, start mowing your lawn for you or do the snow removal for you. But in all reality, and I know for myself too, nobody wants to overstep boundaries. Nobody wants to make anybody uncomfortable. Nobody knows what's already covered and what isn't or what you actually need because they've never been through that situation like you have with the amount of kids you have, the ages they are and everything. Like nobody's been in your exact situation. So people may not know what you actually need. So this is a time when obviously people, if they offer help, say yes or say, well, I don't actually need that, but I need this. Could you or someone help me with this? Um, But also just asking people like, I know that's super hard, but if you have people you're close to, just kind of ask yourself if they were in a crisis, would I want to help them? And if the answer is yes, then consider asking them for help. Some people might not offer it because they feel awkward about it and they can always say no and don't let it ruin your your relationships. But this can be a really good time to ask your church. Ask on social media, like if you need lawn care, say we're going through a crisis. Is there anyone who can help with lawn care? And you might have people step up. Um, ask your friends. It is so hard, but most people would rather you ask and them be able to help than find out later that you were suffering and you didn't reach out. Um, so definitely do that. And then on top of that, reach out to your friends, not necessarily for help, but just reach out to people. Let them know what's going on. Keep them updated as much as you are comfortable. For me, this was probably one of the hardest parts. I have an amazing group of friends, but at first I would update them, but then I felt like I don't want to be a downer to everybody's day and I don't want to be sending constant updates. So I kind of pulled back and, you know, waited, I guess, to see if they were interested. And then if they were, I would reach out. But then what happened with some of my friends is that they just kind of stopped reaching out. And I took that to mean they just don't care about me because I'm dramatic. And that's what I assume. And then come to find out after, you know, time had passed and we healed and talked about and everything, they thought I needed space and they didn't want to invade my space or bother me when I'm going through something so hard. So here I was feeling lonely and like nobody cares about me and my friends are like, oh, she just needs some space, but I wish there's something I could do. So that is all to say reach out to your friends. If you want to update them, if you want people to If you want to know people care, sometimes you have to be the one to reach out. Yes, it's not fun. Yes, um, obviously it feels better when people reach out to you, but people are living their own busy lives too. And sometimes they think if you're not talking to them, 
that you need space. And so sometimes you can just reach out and say, I'm having a really hard day. I would love to talk about it. Um, and if they're a good friend, they'll make time. Um, that That's something I wish I could go back and tell myself. So I would feel a lot less sad during this time because um, I do have amazing friends, but I was just in a very difficult place. And then try to find at least one person to confide in. With the situation with my dad, there were so many details. I mean, so many like fine details that obviously I'm not going to share with the whole world or share with every single person. Um, So much that we were dealing with behind the scenes and with the hospital and just so many feelings I was having that I didn't want to share. I didn't know for normal. Like it was just really, really complicated and really difficult. And I didn't have anybody who'd been through this before. And I just really needed someone to just be a listening ear. So if you can find someone who will listen, whether that's your spouse, a family member, a friend, somebody at church, whatever it may be, that you feel okay being vulnerable with, like sharing all of those details, it just is really helpful to have somebody know what you're going through on a deep level. Like a lot of people knew what we were going through on the surface, but I didn't share every little detail and I didn't, you know, nobody wants to hear all of that, um, you know, that doesn't really know me. And so just having somebody I could really pour my heart out to was so helpful. I had multiple people, thankfully, that I could do that with, but maybe it's even a therapist. Maybe you're going to start therapy during this time. So you have a place to go that you can share every little detail because holding it all in and trying to keep up with everything in life is very, very hard and sometimes toxic. It it sometimes leads you to explode if you're holding everything in and trying to do everything perfectly and be a good mom and get through this crisis and be a good wife and be a good teacher to your kids as a homeschooling mom. It can be very stressful and you probably will erupt or explode at some point in some way. And so it's a lot healthier to get all of that off your chest to at least one person so it's not bottling up inside of you. Another thing that really helped me during this time was finding something that was just for me. I didn't have a lot of free time for sure, but the little pockets of time that I had, I just felt like I needed something that wasn't thinking about my dad, really. Like it was thinking about myself and thinking about my life and just something kind of mindless to do. And so what I ended up going with, I became very drawn to bullet journaling again. I did this years ago and then kind of fell off track. And I don't even know what led me to start doing it again. But this was such a great hobby for me during this time. This really worked well because, first of all, it was just very creative and very fun, but it also allowed me to document my dad's journey here and there when I felt like I wanted to, and it helped me just kind of work through all the feelings I was having and get it all down on paper because when you're living in this constant state of chaos, it's so easy to forget the details, and so it was able to help me remember when certain things happen and keep track of it all, and then record my feelings and all of those things in one place. It was helpful to actually go through that experience of writing it all out, but it also is helpful for me now to look back on and remember um, because it's so easy to forget all of the little details. And so bullet journaling helped me process, but then it also helped me not think about it because there was lots of bullet journaling I did that had nothing to do with my dad, and it just Help me take my mind off of everything that was going on 
and just do something solely because it was fun for me. So if you have anything you can do, even if it's TV, reading books, um, going for walks, exercising, knitting, you know, crafting, whatever it is, if you can find something that's just for you, even if it's for 10 minutes a day, that can be really helpful when you're in the midst of a lot of chaos and stress. Another thing that I wish I didn't have to do and wish never it came it never came to this, but likely if you're going through something like this, it will at some point, and that is apologizing to your children and then letting them in. I'm not going to lie. There were a couple times, like one in particular that I can think of off the top of my head, when it was about three weeks into my dad's accident, um, I kind of lost it. I overreacted in ways I normally wouldn't. I did crazy things. Like looking back at it now, I rolled up the living room rug and threw it out in the snow because one of my kids peed on it. Um, and I went to clean it and I was like, I hate this rug anyway. I've always hated this rug. And so I just threw it outside and then I spent the next two hours rearranging rugs in my house. Um, during a a crisis a few years ago when my dad also had a different accident, um, believe it or not, uh, not quite as bad one. He was in the hospital and I ripped the carpet off of the stairs. So I tend to do things like this. I'll just like make impulsive home uh, renovation and redecorating decisions in the spur of the moment when I'm really stressed out. Um, and it sounds crazy now, but I think, you know, I just really needed to control something. And so I was trying to control my house and I just felt like even that was chaotic and I just kind of lost it. And I yelled at my kids and I calmed down and then I apologized. And I apologized to them often during those four months and beyond because I was not as patient as I normally was. I wasn't as understanding as I normally was. And I don't want to say that's okay. Like, obviously, we want to be the best moms we can be, but we are human. And our kids also learn a lot from us when we apologize and we humble ourselves and then let them in. So I didn't let them into every little detail, but I think it was good for my kids when I actually did say, I'm so sorry. You know, I raised my voice at you. It's not your fault. I'm dealing with this right now. And I'm really worried about Grampy, and I should never take that out on you, but this is how I'm feeling right now. And just kind of letting them see, you know, what life is like and and the love we have for the people in our lives or the stress that can sometimes happen. And it can be a learning experience where you can show them what to do instead. And you can say, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go read or I'm going to go pray. or I'm going to go bullet journal or whatever it is, exercise, and I'm going to calm down. That's really what I should have done instead of yelling at you and we'll move on. You know, I think that's really helpful for our kids to witness us making the right choice after we made the wrong choice and apologizing for it and seeing that we're human too. Um, They can learn so much from that. Obviously, it's best to not get upset with our kids and not, you know, do things we wouldn't normally do. But sometimes these things happen during stressful times. And then lastly, my last tip is just to say yes to whatever will make you feel better. And saying that now, I'm like, okay, obviously, don't do illegal things. Don't do harmful things. Don't say yes to those to make yourself feel better because they won't actually make you feel better in the long run. But what I do want you to take from this is 
the key to homeschooling during a crisis is to do whatever you can within reason to lessen your stress load and stay in a a place of as much peacefulness and calm as you can. Obviously, I can laugh saying that because my life was not peaceful or calm, but I did eventually get to a place of like, okay, this is happening, but it's not my whole world. It's not, doesn't define my life. Um, God is still good. There's still amazing things happening in my life. I still have so much to be grateful for, and I'm going to focus on my family during these hours, and then I'll go focus on my dad for these hours. And I was able to create some semblance of peace and, um, I don't know, just normalcy, I guess, during a really hard time. And so it's really easy when chaotic times come to just say no to everything, just say, nope, I'm going to say no to anybody who asks me for anything, and I'm just going to focus all that I can on this stressful situation. But that can be really hard, especially if this is a long-term crisis. You know, if I had done that for a year, you know, by the time my dad was back to driving was almost a full year. And that was kind of our marker for like, okay, he's kind of back to normal. He still obviously is not fully himself, but that was like our marker of like, he's doing a lot better. And so if I had waited until that time to start saying yes to things again, I would have been a mess. I would have been so lonely, never seeing my friends, never doing fun things with my family. And so if it makes you feel happy to go to the zoo with your kids, it's okay to go to the zoo with your kids and not deal with your crisis for that day. It is okay to say yes to going to see your friends even when your family really needs you. If, you know, obviously talk to your spouse and all of that kind of stuff, but it's okay to take a break from the crisis and go still live your life um, because you have to also be nurturing yourself during this time. Um, I found it hard, especially at first, to say yes to things when I'm like, but my dad's in a hospital bed. I should be there for him. But if I hadn't said yes to things like my daughter's dance recitals or um, having an Easter celebration with my mom and my brother and my kids and my husband, I would have really regretted that. And yes, we still like went to see my dad after the dance recital and we still went and celebrated Easter with him in the hospital. But it just was really helpful to us to still have some of that normal stuff happening in our lives and not just focus every moment of our lives on the crisis. We can easily feel really guilty for doing things for ourselves or for others and not focusing solely on the crisis, but we have to remember we are still living our own lives and we need some margin. We're human. We'll get burnt out if we're not having some margin in our lives, and it's okay. I know you're going to feel guilty doing that, but you the best way to handle a crisis is to still be as much of a functioning whole person as you can be. And that requires you to sometimes step away. Um, Obviously, you know your situation and when and how that would be best and appropriate. But um, even people dealing with the hardest things sometimes need to go read a book or sometimes need to go out with friends because it helps them manage the crisis better when they are dealing with the crisis because they've stepped away for a little bit. So that's not only okay, I think it's a really good thing to do from time to time. 
Those are my tips. I just want to say I pray that this episode reaches whoever it needs to reach at the right time and that whatever you're dealing with, you get through and you get through stronger and you get through more connected to God, which is something I'm so blessed to be able to say now that my relationship with God grew so much stronger through a hard time because it's very easy for that to crumble. And I just pray your kids can learn so much about life and family through whatever your crisis is, which goes so much deeper than any school book or math book or anything could actually teach them in daily homeschool life. They're learning skills about being there for one another or um, dealing with really hard times and still staying strong. Like they can learn so much through these crises as well. And I just pray God will use whatever crisis it is for his glory and um, will reveal things to you through the crisis. So thank you so much for listening. Happy homeschooling. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for stopping by my little cozy home here on the internet. I pray this podcast episode blessed your life and helped encourage you. I would appreciate so much if you would leave a rating and review and why not share this episode with a friend while you're at it. Make sure to follow me on Instagram as well at worklifeblue for tons more inspiration and encouragement for fellow working homeschool moms. And don't forget to add a little fun into your day. Happy homeschooling. I'll see you next time.